You're listening to Guys on the Sideline Podcast, where you'll hear opinions, predictions, and sports takes in every direction. If you're a diehard sports fan, this is the place to be. They've never played. They have no experience, but they have plenty to say. And now, here are the guys on the sideline. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining Guys on the Sideline, the podcast, the fastest-growing sports podcast in the land. Uh, this is Episode 5. I am Jeff, joined by Chris. Chris, hello. Hello. Fastest-growing north of the Jordan River. Uh, we'll take that. That's, that is a claim to That's fame. probably we, totally false. Yeah, it totally includes, false. It includes a lot of land. We, we have, no, stop. We have a loyal listenership, if we right. may say that. Um, good stuff here on Guys on the Sideline. Um, tell us, Chris, for those that might be tuning in for the first time, what exactly is Guys on the Sideline, or who are the Guys on the Sideline? The guys on the Sideline are the kind of guys that you might find up in stands with you, actually. Maybe sitting next to you during the game. Upper bowl guys, uh, maybe? Upper bowl guys, All man. Right. Cheap you, seats? Yeah, have you ever been up in the cheap seats up at a jazz game? You know that's where the real fans are, man. Um, they got the best commentary. They're, they're the snarkiest, craziest fans out there. And so we want to bring a bit of that flavor to sports analysis and commentary. Um, we don't want to let stupid things like data influence our decisions. We just want <laughs> why, to be emotional. Why and, would we let data influence our yeah, decisions? Most of us don't really anyway. We pretend to, but uh, I'm not even going to pretend to. I'm just going to let fly the craziest theories I possibly can because that's what it means to be a sports fan to me. Which makes for must must, <laughs> must listen, listen to radio? Yeah, I'd say so. Slash podcast? Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, we're going to uh, bring you things such as jazz breakdowns. Uh, we're going to talk Raiders, Cardinals, our favorite football teams, talk a little bit of Utes and Aggies. Um, so let's dive in. Um, again, this is uh, for those that are tuning in for the first time. Hopefully they will enjoy it. But we sometimes, I should say all the time, we're all over the map. And so uh, we hope that this entertains you and informs you. And like like you said, I mean, it's the perspective of the fan. Um, and so... Let's jump right in. So to, we're going to hand out some awards, and I think the first award that we were going to look at is the Way Too Early Playoff Award. Give me your best playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs, Jim Mora Sr. Um, so who is your nomination for the Way Too Early Playoffs Award? Well, it could be any league. It could be NBA. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know we're way too early for the NBA. We're so still probably a little early for uh, pro football as in, well. In the tradition of Jim Mora's infamous statement, um, I think we got to talk about the Packers, and I think that they're the ones who might be kind of blowing a fuse over the whole notion of playoffs at this point. Um, they lost a, you know, a game against a really good team in the Rams, but did so on um, a kind of a fluke play where Ty Montgomery decided to defy his coach's instructions, ran the ball out on the kick off lost possession and they lost now it's i know we'd all like to pretend it's a guarantee that aaron would have led them to a victory had he gotten the ball that's of course not a sure thing but it seems like things are kind of coming unglued there so i'm wondering if mike mccarthy got appointed enough question about playoffs he might actually say that very phrase playoffs playoffs don't even make me go with aaron Rodgers. i you've heard my thoughts on him i a, a great quarterback there's no question but i get sick and tired of the love fest particularly from the announcers when yeah. you know when they're down a touchdown or two it's oh wait here comes aaron Rodgers, and, and you have to relive every single one of his hill mary plays and all of his um theatrics which again I, I tip my hat to aaron that's no disrespect but um if aaron truly were the greatest quarterback like people talk about him, would he have to come
come back. Yeah, exactly. In in, in late fourth quarter exactly. um, fashion. I no, don't I, so. I don't think so. And I think at the end of the day, what drives me nuts, and I'm with you, is that every other quarterback out there, if they throw one pick in the second quarter, that's what gets scrutinized. But Aaron, not so much. So yeah, he's just again, no, there's no denying his talent. He is a talented guy. A lot of guys, want, a lot of people want to make the the case that he's the best QB ever. But I'm with you. I don't think you can make that case. And some people might even say, well, he's the best late game comeback QB ever. I don't think you can take that away from Tom Brady, my friends. I'm sorry. You may not love Tom Brady, but I mean that guy's been doing that in Super Bowls. And elsewhere for a long time so um you know I, I think he's got ample competition there who else are we looking at let's let's stick with the nfl um there's a there's a few teams i mean you've got the the chargers from your division the raiders division um, yeah chargers and chiefs but i think the chiefs are in a, a league of their own at this point it's going to be them versus the patriots in the afc title game it's a lock it's a sure thing there's no who was that again the chiefs and the patriots and who wins that game i think that the chiefs could do it i hope so i think they could do uh, it. I, I like what i see there andy yeah. reed good for him good pat for, mahomes good. is the uh, real deal i did not think so i was a major skeptic and look he could still there could still be a downturn um but at the end of the day he's he's good he's a good player um afc north is kind of a mess i don't know who's going to win that division i don't either pittsburgh who uh, grew up a steeler fan so you know i still have a place for them in my mm. heart but i get sick and tired of them just having a not having a great season yet they're probably going to win the division and make the playoffs probably they do it year after year after year it's i think they're like, poised for a letdown though i think even if think? they get in they'll they'll get the boot early all right uh other teams let's tune to the nfc um Rams running away with the division. Oh yeah, it's over. Uh, Saints. I can, okay, so so for the NFC, it's going to be Rams Saints in the championship game. Yeah, lock. I, That's a lock. I, I I'm going to agree with you. I think the Saints. They've got uh, a a powerful rushing attack. It's yeah. killing me in my fantasy leagues. I've got Drew Brees, who's uh, broken some records this year and playing well, but he doesn't need to pass the ball, and that's he, scary. When you, when you give a QB, you know, the caliber of Breeze, a good running game, you know, it's over. Yeah, uh, and I, I agree. I, I think the Rams uh, are a lock, but I think the Saints could give them a run for their money. And like you say, I think so. I think um, I think with their offensive, their really offense, their balanced attack, I, I think they're— And a much improved defense. Shout out Marcus Williams, safety for the Saints. All I'm going to say. <laughs> Anybody else that we need to look at there from the NFL? I don't know, man. I, I think, uh, again, keep your eye on Green Bay. They're, I think they're headed for a big-time implosion here. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. Um, let's jump over to the NBA. Um, Jazz. We're, what, two weeks in? Yeah. So our first, I think our our most recent session where we kind of had our little jazz season preview and we reacted to their first week, there was a bit of panic. I may have thrown out something about Gobert being traded, maybe. <laughs> maybe that was we, me. Was I me. think we did get some hate mail for that. Yeah, I got Who some hate the mail. the guy saying we trade Rudy hate Gobert? Hate mail for that, let me just say um, what I'm impressed with with Gobert right now is just his his improvement on offense. You know, he's really starting to show some improvement there. And wow, if he if he could really make strides on offense, um, that that really transforms our team, I think. And so, it just gives us another weapon to go to if, if we're not firing on you know other cylinders. If if Donovan's having more of a ho hum kind of a night, um, you know, which the other night he put up like 20, which that's who he is now. I mean, he's I think he's kind of an all star in terms of what he can. Um, in terms of his output, he put up 38 against uh, Houston. Yeah. and then he'll have those he'll have those blowout game. games. But the point is, he doesn't have to do he doesn't have to put up 38 to, for us to win, and yeah. that's that's yeah. critical. Well, and I look at Rudy's wingspan. Um, if rookie Rubio can just lob that ball up, and we can get 
six to ten points a night just yeah. on those lobs. I mean, it's unstoppable. Right? It's unstoppable. I mean, if he, yeah, if he can just roll to the basket, um, you know, set set the post really deep and jump up there and get it. Um, that that's an interesting offensive plan right there. I know we're two weeks in, so we kind of need to let this settle for the rest of the teams. But I mean, you look at. Um, you look at some teams, the Lakers, I think we've talked about them a little bit. Um, th- th- we knew they were going to be down a little bit. Oklahoma City is the one that... Uh, you would What's think they're in the in playoffs, OKC. right? You would think they're a bubble team for yeah. sure, if not middle and I of the think, pack. I think they could come back. I saw somewhere um, that they're taking... Um, you know, among the, uh, they're they're almost leading the league in terms of the high percentage shots that they're taking. They're just not making those shots. So odds are things will flip around a little bit for them eventually. But there comes a point where these early season losses and the the kind of rut you dig yourself into at the beginning of the year will haunt you. It definitely will. And, and the West is way too loaded. But I think a team like the Clippers could drop out. I think the Blazers could. I, I think there are, there are a few other teams in that list. Spurs. You know, I'm not totally sold on them for sure. So no, they're they're we'll a question see. mark for sure. Okay, let's uh, move on to our next award. You okay with that? So yes, we're seeking nominations for the worst franchise in the world. And uh, again, could come from any sport. Um, Buccaneers, I'm going to just throw out there. Yeah. I feel like they have been, um, and I don't know the last time they were good. John Gruden's Super Bowl win, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think that's about it. He had some really up and down seasons with them. I think he took them to the playoffs like twice after that fact, and they kind of got dismantled. But they picked Jameis Winston, though, right? Just, I mean, he was the future, and they were they were poised you know, to make a run, but they just benched him. Yeah, benched him. Four interceptions this week. chaos there, but it, from the broader perspective, growing up, they were the, like, tangerine orange team with a mascot with a giant feather in his cap, and they were just the absolute worst. I believe Steve Young Steve, started his career there, yeah, got he pulverized did. Yes, he did. before going to the 49ers. Um, they're just terrible. And, and why does Tampa Bay have a football team? And please, Tampa Bay fans, shower your hate on me but they're just they just don't feel like one of the core NFL teams to me at all they just they still feel like an expansion team in this weird way see I'm okay with Tampa having a franchise the team interestingly that I cannot believe still has a team or the Jacksonville Jaguars Jacksonville Jaguars absolutely I I agree with you Tampa and Jacksonville I get Miami right but oh sure um, the Dolphins there but how does Jacksonville I don't know. I don't know. It's Jacksonville, but still. I agree. I think, I mean, to me, you can have your your Miami Dolphins. They're definitely kind of a classic team, even though they, even though the Bucks have won a Super Bowl and, and the Dolphins haven't at this point. Uh, or sorry, they have won. A, they they won the they well, went way, undefeated, way back undefeated. In the 70s. You know, so yeah, I can't I can't take that away from them, but they still feel like a better franchise. Yeah, now. for sure. Okay, another one. Uh, the New York Knickerbockers. Oh, I don't know if you caught the uh, Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, barrage there the other night, but New York. I feel at Madison Square Garden. I mean, this is a team, this is a franchise that should be able to lure a big star. Right. And I'm of the opinion that they could have landed LeBron James had they made better decisions um, the last decade or even mm-hmm. two decades. Um, major, major guffaw number one, I would say, is Carmelo Anthony. They locked him oh, up to a big-time deal. And that guy... That guy is, he goes to teams to bring them down. That's all he does. He, he's, he's done well. But yeah, that New York, what excuse do they really have? I mean, you're New York, for heaven's sake. Um, if, if the Giants, led by Eli Manning, can somehow get their way to two Super Bowl victories over the best team in NFL history, you know, two different times. I just don't understand how New York, you have to be so unbelievably 
bad. Incompetent? It, incompetent in, in managing your team and managing its affairs to fail in a market like that. It's baffling to me. Baffling. Well, you look at the, this, some of the decisions they've made. And they had Isaiah Thomas there running the show. Oh. Scotty Layden. But then, um, you know, um, Phil. Our boy Phil, Phil was no better. Mike I mean, D'Antoni coached there. Mike Jeff D'Antoni. I mean, you've had some Yeah, had some, some big coaches. names. But they're just, in terms of personnel, I don't know what it is. And they have just not been relevant since when? I don't even know. Pa- like Patrick Ewing. Days. I guess and they, so. And they weren't dominant. In the, I no, mean, they, did they were just, to the finals they were just kind of a bubble team. You know, they were, uh, I don't want to say a bubble team, but yeah, they, you know, they were, they, a they decent, were decent team, for a while. But, but not. The John not, Starks days. Yeah, or, but not a juggernaut. No. All right. Um, you got a team? Worst franchise in the world nomination you'd like to make? Well, unfortunately, I'm going to have to cop to and own my sad Oakland Raiders because they, I mean, I don't know how else you excuse almost 20 solid years of total incompetence. And then you bring in Gruden who, look, he he's trying to start from this, from scratch. He took a look at the team, felt like there was too much salary cap tied up into too few players. And so he's trying to make those changes. But all that does is just extend our, our timeline for being relevant again and and that's a tough one for Raiders fans. So, he, you know, Mark Davis is trying to right uh, almost two decades of wrongs by saying, OK, Gruden, you've got the next 10 years. But it's already off to a very controversial, very negative start. We're ranked as the worst team in the league right now by ESPN. Um, we are tanking. Doesn't matter what Gruden says. We're absolutely the, tanking. For so, sure they're tanking. And the fire sells on Amari Cooper. Your reaction to that? Amari Cooper. It was a good trade. It was I mean, a they, good trade. They unloaded him, got well, a first rounder from Dallas, which I think is impressive. That's what's funny is that there's been this... There was just you know this barrage of criticism of Gruden after the Khalil Mack trade, but but it's almost like things started to turn around with Amara Cooper and started people started to say, you know, he is stockpiling a crazy war chest of picks and things now, and so I'm seeing all of these articles all like it's almost like the tides turning in the media and people are starting to say, okay, like he's committed to this rebuild. I think when people didn't know if it was going to be a half measure and he was going to just just deal Khalil and then try to go from there, I think now that they know he is fully committed to completely building this thing back from scratch people are changing their opinion a bit they did go out of their way to assure Derek Carr that he's their QB at least for the foreseeable future which is what you have to say you could What's never the tell the foreseeable anyone. future the next well, four I, weeks I, I know yeah right the, the well. trade, le- trade deadline trade is today, deadline so. I think I think it means the rest of the season I think um you know Gruden will watch him but but I'll just say this last final thing about the Raiders and something interesting. I was really convinced that there was no chance Derek was going to get traded until, ironically, recently in a conference, uh, in a, a press conference, Gruden was talking about great QBs and he's talking about Andrew Locke, who they were about to play. And he said, well, he can create offense when there's nothing there. You know, he can scramble. He can make plays. And he's like, that's what it takes to be a great QB, not just changing plays at the line, not just making the throws. And that, nobody pounced on that. But that seemed to me a veiled shot at his own QB. Because I think where Derek lacks the most is when he's under pressure, when he gets hit, he goes, he freezes, he loses the ball, he can't do anything. He he doesn't roll out of the pocket, doesn't scramble well. So I, I think Gruden will keep his eye on him for the rest of this year if he's not significantly improved by the end of the year maybe they do move on from him yeah they could chris i think you're missing the obvious choice here for worst franchise in the world and it would have to be the cleveland browns oh yeah how many quarterbacks have they taken since the cleveland franchise has been restored to that city they just cannot get it right they got baker mayfield so i mean they tied a game this season they've won two so things are looking up but this week they just fired hugh jackson which and their offensive coordinator uh, todd haley to me 
I, I think that I think Baker Mayfield has a lot of potential. I think he could be a good QB. Um, you know, Hugh Jackson, who who made a pit stop with my Raiders at one point, got them to a 500 record with a little bit better personnel, I think, in some ways, and brought Carson uh, Palmer back into the league. Yeah, who ended up right. going to Arizona. So I don't, I you know, I think it's a little tough because I think it's basically you're still if you're going to coach the Browns, you're still coaching the world's best college football team which is still the world's worst NFL team, yeah, right? Well it's said. it's just it's it's all the most recent picks, but that it takes a lot more than that um, to build a real contender. And so they've still got a long ways to go, but I think if they're smart and they're not, um, so they won't do this, but you know, they they have somebody they can build around in Baker Rainfield. Yeah, no, I again, they've had flashes this year. They they've yep. lost games that or they've made mistakes that yep. I think ultimately cost Hugh his job, but yes. uh, after what one winless season and one one win season. Yeah, now they're to two, so they have doubled. They've doubled their, their production, victory. if you will, their outcomes. Yeah. So looking yeah. good. Okay. Um, anyway, those are our worst franchises in the world. You ready for the next? I'm uh, ready. Next award. Lay it on me. Uh, I'm looking for nominations for worst conference in the world. Worst We're talking uh, NCAA football here. Uh, who are you going to nominate? Well, man, I got to start again with my hometown Pac-12 conference here. I mean, we just got out, done with a weekend where Colorado blew a 28 point lead to. Oregon State at home. Oregon State? Oregon State. You heard that right. Colorado, Colorado was, uh, I mean, they were picked top of the conference, right? Ranked no, and, no, they were, Colorado well, was top of the, to be bad, but but they had started out the season good, and so yeah, I think at I mean. one point that they had, um, you know, they'd been ranked, they'd beaten Nebraska on the road. Of course, we all know the story in Nebraska now. They <laughs> were are terrible, and uh, still are, and are, are just hanging on against FCS schools, but ultimately, um, you know, then you had Washington inexplicably laying an egg. They managed to lose against Cal without Cal ever scoring one offensive touchdown. That's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's stunning. Especially when you look at Washington Huskies as they're talking about them being in the college playoff yeah, picture. They're the class of the of the conference in a lot of ways. Now, interesting thing, there's a lot of murmurings about the security of Jason Garrett's job and uh, Chris Peterson's name's been floating out there for, uh, for, for Dallas, for Dallas which the could be an interesting pick for them. And please Dallas, please, please take Chris Peterson away from Washington. That would be great. But yeah, that was inexplicable. And then I think maybe even craziest of all, among all that crazy, is the Oregon Ducks just inexplicably just going completely flatline against Arizona. Arizona, who's been terrible all year, who we dominated um, when they came here and played the Utes, they got blown out by the Wildcats down in uh, in Arizona. So I, I don't know what's going on with Weird. this conference at this point. It's spooky. Weird and I tell season. you, it's not a comfortable conference to be on top of if you're the Utes. You don't know what you're going to get. They've got to play Arizona State on the road this week, and Arizona State hasn't lost a game by more than a touchdown. So they're right in the mix. They're they're on the bubble. So it's going to be a tough one. They can't overlook Arizona State. Arizona S- State Sun Devils, who are coached by our favorite Herm Edwards. Herm. Hello. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. Herm Edwards. Um, now, let, let's talk about the Utes real quick. So, yes, they're in this division, but you would have have to say they're one of the hottest teams Absolutely. in all of college football. How many how many weeks in a row have they scored 40 plus? Four, Four weeks? weeks? Four weeks. Kyle Whittingham has an day. offense? 
Well, yeah, and I'm I'm over here. Call me one of the fickle, over-emotional, spastic uh, Utah fans. But after week two, or pardon me, week three, when we lost to Washington State, I was ready to just throw in the towel on this team. But here's Washington State, ranked number 10 in the country, uh, just beat Stanford on the road in a, in a close game. So, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Cougars are for real. The, the Huskies, despite having a weird off game, um, are still a good team. Those are our only two losses at this point. So the big thing with the Utes, um, the craziest thing, the most unbelievable thing, we have a potent offense. It is for real. We have one of the Zach Moss, our running back, currently has the highest draft grade of any running back, according to some draft analysts. So he's, he's an NFL type guy, is impossible to tackle. And uh, when we have to throw it, we've shown the ability to do that. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, we can't have a game like, you know, Washington went down to ASU last year, ex- inexplicably had one of those kind of egg layer type games. Um, it's hard to sustain that kind of level of output. So it's, it's no not on the Utes. It's just hard to sustain it. So I still think that they'll win down there, but it's going to be a harder game. Now let's not get ahead of ourselves, but let me ask the question. Best Ute offense? Yeah. Would, would, I mean, the last... 10, 20 years oh, since, in the Kyle Whittingham era? Would, yeah. you, would you put this team I, up there? Yeah, I mean, since Brian Johnson, you know, since the Sugar Bowl team in 2008, I and, think without a doubt. And they probably, those offenses from Brian Johnson, I don't know that they were as explosive. I think they were disciplined. I think they, right. they did things well. I think that was right. a very balanced attack. You're not going to throw Travis Wilson in there? <laughs> I'm not going to throw oh, Travis Wilson's pure sidearm throw <laughs> like he's playing horseshoes on a, on a football Who field. Who was before Travis Wilson? Jordan Wynn? Jordan Wynn. Never guess as a collegiate uh, no, quarterback who who it was kind of like watching Britton Covey be full time quarterback in a Pac twelve school. I mean, it, like every time he took a hit, you just wondered if he was ever going to get up again. Okay, Chris, we've had the worst franchise in the world. We've had the worst conference in the world. Are you ready for the world's worst? World Series award. <laughs> I am ready for the world's worst World Series. Look, hey, I, I'm I'm all about the Red Sox. I you know I'm I'm not a hater. I certainly prefer them over the Yankees and that whole rivalry. It's just a snoozer of a World Series. I found myself un- totally uninterested in it. I didn't tune into a single game for a single minute. It was just so I can't comment much past that. I would keep track of those box scores and things, but every time I would check in, for the most part, it was Boston up by four late late in the game, and I just thought, well, there's, that's that. Yeah, the the most. Of- of that uh, series I, I watched was the, um, what do you want to call it, the marathon game, seven, eight-hour game. Oh, jeez. Um, didn't watch the first nine, turned it on in the 11th inning, and it was one of those games where I was dead tired. I mean, I wanted to go to sleep. I you know watched it from my bed and, and kind of kept kept pulse on the game, but it, um, it, it got to the point where I couldn't turn it off because I was like, these guys are just, they can't put any points on the board. They can't get any runs scored. Um, and it was interesting because I think when you have a marathon game like that, you think you'd get a lot more offense because the pitching goes down, right? It's like yeah. you're throwing in these guys that are not well-rested and and different things. But uh, Boston Red Sox, we tip our cap to you. Yeah. Uh, World Fourth, Series fourth champions. time, right? Yeah, but not a, not a great World Series. I, no, I agree. It's a bit of a bit of a snoozer. They need to move the Yankees out of their division so that they can be, have a World Series with the Yankees. But, between be the cool. two? Yeah. yeah. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> no. Come no, on. Definitely not. What, what do you think those baseball purists would say to oh, that? Oh, they'd flip out. Ne- never happen. Um, all right. Um, next, our favorite award, maybe. Um, yes. Uh, Chip Kelly, overrated award of the year. Uh, I shouldn't say of the year. Yeah. The, 
quick quick status check on Chip Kelly. Uh, we just got done blowing out UCLA on the road. They look very much as bad as we thought they were originally. They they're starting to show some signs of life, well, but they are bad. Let me ask you a question on Chip. Let's let's talk about the award for a second. Where where did he um, he get this ranking or this uh, perception that he was this great mastermind of you know? college or pro football? I don't see it. That UCLA team was bad, bad, bad. Well, I, I agree, and I think he has players who quit on him, and, and it's interesting. I think we have to throw Willie Taggart into this conversation real fast because they just suffered their worst home loss in school history against Clemson, a hated um, conference rival. And uh, after the game, Willie Taggart literally said, you know, some of my cl- players quit, which is an unbelievable thing for a coach to admit to. Um, and it, so he's it, essentially, like that. essentially throwing his own players under the bus saying it's on them they're not playing hard enough and that i have to rebuild this thing and he, he might not be wrong i mean jimbo left there must be a reason but, yeah, but i don't know but let me ask this question i mean i i think that the coaching carousel it was super interesting this offseason willie taggart would you not say that that was an interesting hire by Very. how long was he in or by florida state excuse me how long was he in oregon just uh, was it one or two? One, maybe two. Two years. I want to say but, it was two, and yeah, I, I maybe, but it may have just been one. Um, he replaced Helfrich, if I'm not mistaken, and came from what was it, Florida, F, FSU or something, yeah. or not, not FSU, not FSU, the, FSU um, but Central Florida or something like that, UCF, I think. Um, so anyway, I I don't know exactly where it is, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of inexplicable, and. I don't know how. I, look, people always want to say draft grades matter, draft grade, or, or sorry, recruiting rankings matter, stars matter. Well, FSU could not be more loaded with stars. What is? What could be the reason? If it's just who you field and you can throw any scheme at them and have success, clearly that's not the case. And um, this is just the latest proof. USC's performance this season is further proof. It ain't just players, ladies and gents. You got to have a lot more than that. And uh, I think those two examples prove as much. And Chip Kelly. Proved it as well. Um, UCLA always has high, you know, recruiting rate, ratings and things like that. And yet, here they are. Here they are. Okay, another team jumping sports. I'm going to throw out the Houston Rockets as a nomination for Ooh. this. Now, they did get Carmelo Anthony in the off season, and I think most of us that have followed Carmelo Anthony's career, we kind of we <laughs> it's a bit of a head scratcher, right? Did it down to you're like, what are bit. you thinking? And I'm not going to put that all on him. I, I questioned the Chris Paul signing as well. I mean, Chris Paul, I think played well last year, yeah. and you know may have a year or two left in sure. him. Um, he can't stay healthy, it, but it's not clicking, man. And I like no. Mag D'Antoni a lot. I think he's yeah. a good coach, but that team, man, they're off to a pitiful start. They are, and and I don't know if you heard. Recently Recently, but um, Dan Tony essentially said our defense isn't working and we have to start some new scheme from scratch. So when that's your message, just a handful of games into a very long uh, season, you know that uh, there's a panic buttons being hit over there. And look, it ain't your defensive scheme, Dan Tony. I think it's the fact that you shipped off two of your best, I think at least two of their best defensive players, right? Yeah. In that Carmelo trade and trading for more offense. I mean, just baffling yeah. to me. Baffling. No, it, it totally is that they were rumored to be looking at uh, Jimmy Butler yes. giving up four, four first-rounders. First but, but those are going to be low first-round yeah. picks. And NBA is, Minnesota's taking them. NBA is notorious for if you're not in the top 15, it's not a good first-round yeah. pick. No, I totally agree. So Houston definitely has to lead in there. We referenced Oklahoma City earlier. I just look at, you have Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook alone, I, I think, right, is you, you're a 500 team. I mean, that guy puts up triple-doubles, but I guess it goes
goes to prove it's not about numbers. It's not yeah. about filling up a stat sheet. It's about playing as right. a team, and that's something Oklahoma is not doing at the current time. No, they're not. And, I mean, I, th- I think if you actually look, I haven't looked at all their box scores, but I don't think even Russell Westbrook's really been putting up the same kind of numbers he has in the past. And that's the problem with just me-first type mentality when it's just about him being a star, him being the MVP, him hitting triple doubles, things like that. Um, at the end of the day, what's left to play for after after a while? You know, he's 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 a star. He's he's solidified in that position. But who wants to play with that guy? I mean, he chased away two of the other leading stars in the league and Durant and uh, Harden. So who's going there? And I get that, that George Paul is there and he's fine for a minute. How long does that last? Paul and George. Yeah. George Paul. Sorry. Sorry. Either I switched way. that up. Either My bad. No. My we'll, bad. We'll let it slide. Paul George. I've never said anything wrong on this Paul podcast. Chris. <laughs> yeah. um, any others that we need to throw out there as being overrated? Either NFL, NBA, college football? I don't know. I, th- I think... Uh, no, I think that's a pretty good list. I, I'm not sure that there's anybody else I'd include at the moment, but anybody out there listening, include yours in the comments. <laughs> that's way to way to pick up some engagement. <laughs> okay, any other awards we need to get to? I think those were the, I uh, think the four that's that we it. had. So uh, let's give a quick preview. Um, next week's podcast, I think we're going to have a lot of answers. I think it's going to be interesting. Like you uh, referenced the Utes uh, Sun Devils game, I think we'll um, we should hopefully see the Utes continue their dominance uh, and the front runner hopefully, in the Pac-12. Hopefully. Uh, the NFL division picture, I think, will become a little more clear as well, separating the pretenders from the contenders. And the NBA I referenced, I know it's early. I know there are team Oklahoma City, I mean, they could figure it out. The Lakers could step things up. Uh, Cleveland could get a win. Yeah, um, but I think in the next in the next two weeks, I think you're going to really see things kind of settle down, and I think you'll really see the teams that are going to step up and um, you know make a run uh, for it. So, anything else coming up in the next? Podcast? I think I think that's it. It's been a wild opening to the season for the NFL and the NBA, and and college football is just getting to that really kind of fever pitch right now. So these next couple of weeks will probably be pretty decisive as far as what the the outlook's looking like um if the Utes can hang in there um i still think and this again i i know i'm sort of maybe on the pessimistic uh spectrum of Ute fans but you can't blame me because every november every single november we have some kind of letdown i think i still think we could end up dropping at least one more game this year preferably against oregon who's in the north rather than the south so that's the one that you can kind of afford to lose potentially although we are overwhelming favorites in that i was kind of surprised to find but anyway if we were able to play out well, maybe just drop one more, but preferably go undefeated. A lot of the bowl projections have us playing in the Rose Bowl versus Ohio State, which could be a very interesting game. Um, and then a few others had us playing Ohio State, but in a different bowl game. So I think we could end up in a really cool bowl game by the end of the year. And uh, I'm I'm really hoping for a matchup with Urban. I think that would be Kyle versus Urban. Yeah, be, I think that would be. be and I think they would want that for ratings. It's a great storyline. Oh, sure. um, and they could play up in all the history, get those two da- sitting down together, talking about their time and whatnot. And so so that could be interesting. And, I mean, Urban says he'll be back next year, but um, Paul Feinbaum of uh, ESPN seems just intent that he's not going to be back. This, he is, he is, is convinced that he's done. That this so. is the final run. Yeah. So okay. you see. All right. Good stuff today. Thank you for joining. Guys on the sideline, a couple of shout-outs as we close. Uh, thanks, as always, to Aaron, Luke. I don't know where you are, but thank you. Uh, Derek, Maddie G, Bowen Cliff. Who else are we missing? And any other new fans, please announce yourselves and get yourself one free mention. Please identify yourself. One free mention on the next podcast. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Signing off. Adios. See ya.
The opinions and predictions on this podcast are right 98.3% of the time.